Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. All right, Austin and Choo Choo Mao, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today. So great to be here. Yeah, exciting. We, we're actually friends. So this is a cool podcast because you know, a lot of times I'm talking to people I've never met before, but we've spent time together. So that's even more fun. Um, you guys are the co-founders of something called Ceremonia. And that's C-E-R-E-M-O-N-I-A, Ceremony. Tell us what is Ceremonia? Ceremonia is a nonprofit church here in Colorado where we work with psychedelics of psilocybin and ayahuasca as sacraments. And so we host retreats uh, for people like yourself and primarily with founders and, and entrepreneurs, change makers, mm-hmm. et cetera, and guide people through this transformational uh, spiritual journey, you know, integrating the best mm-hmm. of, of psychotherapy and psychology into psychospirituality and, yeah. and deep levels of interconnection. Yeah. And the unique part of our program is that we have two weeks of preparation with mm-hmm. in- and then five weeks of integration, aiming to create the most endurable transformation. And as you know, you experience yourself <laughs> and it works. And mm-hmm. we also, you know, focus on um, facilitate the process rather than the content. We enable people, empower people to find the, the connection to their own inner healing intelligence to heal and to, to grow and to empower and rather we enable teaching people tools rather than just dealing with whatever content or story they're having at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I want to have you guys on today to really talk about kind of maybe in a way demystify. And then also for people that don't know that much about it, I think, you know, uh, psilocybin, the general term for that is mushrooms, right? There's many varieties, um, but there are some medicinal uh, mushrooms. These aren't the kind you put on pizza. Or if you did, you'd have a very interesting experience. Uh-huh. Um, so these are really medicinal mushrooms that have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, and you're also talking about ayahuasca, which originally I think came out of South America, Peru, and some of those regions, right? And this is another um, medicine. They, they call these plant-based medicines. So there's kind of this whole movement now to get these legalized. So a couple states have this legal, um, and I think more on the way. But in essence, these have been Schedule One, you know, drugs. I mean, these were considered right up there with like a cocaine and a heroin, which we know that these aren't like cocaine and heroin or, or any other drug. These are actually medicines. And so part of the podcast today is I think we just need to explain a little bit about what these things are, um, why you guys, uh, you know, what you, was your path that kind of brought you to want to facilitate these? I, I know you both have had ex, you know, experience with them in the past. And then, you know, maybe 
just uh, answer any, even though we don't have live callers on today, just kind of answer some questions around what is this and why does it work and what results that you've been having with it? Because I think it's an important step in the evolution of medicine, psychology, spirituality. I mean, it kind of integrates all of these things. And I'm sure more, you guys are the experts on this, but so let's just start with, you know, the ayahuasca and the psilocybin, just a high level overview of what that actually is. What, what are those things? Great. Yeah. It's a really exciting time right now for these sort of medicines because we are pending legalization at a federal level for various psychedelics. Psilocybin is the active psychotropic compound in psilocybin mushrooms, right? Got it. And these mushrooms have been around for tens of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot of anthropological evidence that even some of the great religions and, and great spiritual teachers used psilocybin mushrooms to have mm -hmm. extraordinary transpersonal experiences. So what psilocybin and ayahuasca do is it induces a transpersonal state, which literally means to come out of self. One way that I like to relate this to is the Imperial College of London in 2016 put uh, advanced meditators clocking over 30,000 hours, which is a lot of meditation mm -hmm, hours. Mm -hmm, yeah. And those on uh, that study was LSD through functional MRI scans, scanning their brains, right? Mm -hmm. And found that the default mode network, which is two areas of the brain that are sort of our patterning mm -hmm. areas of the brain, temporarily quieted very much like children's minds. And so in other words, what happens in this transpersonal state is that it's like a medicine that accelerates one's ability to get out of themselves. Very much like if there is a goal, the goal of meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, we often equate this to like 10 years of therapy in 10 hours, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, that's, that's something that we really see. The level of access to the suppressed and deeply held emotional content that we've pushed down or not even aware of in our subconscious bubbles to the surface in a way that it that can be safely held by ourselves right mm -hmm. yeah and you, you know we experience this journey together and, and we talk about it that you know when we talk about freedom from suffering to fully actualize our power there it's like important to let go of this concept of i and and real it's connect with the oneness that we're all one and i think from a spiritual standpoint mushroom enable us to get out of the concept of i and have more inner connection and and connection with our surroundings with the people around us with the divine source whatever and mm -hmm. from a psychology standpoint that you know we talk about parts work in our framework that being with psilocybin it relax the protector of ours so that we can get in touch with our inner child that carries burden from our past trauma so that we can do the healing work with the mushroom presence mm. when we have safe space. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, very interesting. You know, just knowing you as friends, I know you're very passionate about your work, but kind of what was the catalyst for even getting into this kind of work? Because you've been doing this many, many years. This isn't something, I mean, well, a lot of us, I won't even, it's not even mainstream yet, but it's having more and more awareness in, and especially in, you know, psychology circles and medical, it's starting to have more and more of a presence. But for a lot of people listening to this podcast, they may have never even heard of these things, or if they've heard of them, they don't really understand them. And so again, we're, I just love to demystify, but 
you guys have been doing this work for years and years and years. So kind of what brought you to this work? Yeah, what's really interesting is that psychedelics is actually a big part of mainstream culture, right? If you look at rock bands and... Right. Um, Timothy Leary yeah, and... Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, amazing artists and, right. and work come out of that. And one of the most incredible statistics I've read is that 12%, 12% of America has used a psychedelic. Right? Oh, interesting. That's a very high number. And it's actually 85% of college graduates. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is, which is a, a very high right. number. Right. And so much more of America has used psychedelics than I think um, most people are even aware of. Right. That said, I had used psychedelics recreationally for many years, you know, mm -hmm. through burning pit festivals, et cetera. And, and we both did that together for some time. But it wasn't until I received an invitation in 2020 from a dear friend of mine to go sit with ayahuasca in a ceremony, mm -hmm. uh, which an intentional shamanic setting in the jungle of using this. And when I went there, I had a chip on my shoulder thinking, okay, what could this teach me? Because I've already tried it so many times. But long story short, it was incredibly life-changing for me. I could not have even predicted what I discovered. And at that time, I had very little access to like my long-term memory. I couldn't remember my childhood. Mm. And what I discovered under the medicine is I had a traumatic incident as a kid that led me to repress all of my memory. Oh, wow. And what happened there is it I became a textbook psychology case, even though I studied psychology before, like I had no idea that it would be me. That would... <laughs> You're your own patient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what it did is it, I unlocked my memories and I unlocked what ultimately became the renaissance of my life. Mm. I started writing poetry again and reading again and being inspired again. Whereas, you know, it's not like I lived a, a terrible life. I was a successful entrepreneur, but it's nothing like what I feel and am capable of now. Yeah. And for me, I grew up in China. We have a whole different set of value. And I think like a lot of the generational trauma that we shared as for scarcity of like us as human only have value through our achievement, through how much money we make and growing up from there and then came in here and then uh, using psychedelics. I remember, you know, I grew up with a very terrible relationship with my mom because of all the all the values, all the stress and how the educational system is in China. And I remember the first time taking psychedelics and I, I called my mom and saying, I love you for the first time mm. after not talking with her for many years, all the oh, wow. bad experience we shared. And then being in ceremony and then from that and finding the power and determination to heal our relationship through my unconditional love, through my embodiment of like love and understanding of that and then from impact my mom and heal our relationship heal her relationship with my, my dad and all that and watching her from someone who has a serious uh serious like psychology mental health problem to someone mm -hmm. you know who has access to like art to freedom to more travel and all of that and now because of the work I am doing. And she said, you know, now I'm volunteer because I understand what it means to be in service from a like middle-aged Chinese woman. That's really impactful for my personal journey. And after I get more and more healing and experience like Austin and finding more freedom, I just realized that for someone like me, a small town girl in China, to be able to experience this healing, that there is a deeper 
mission for me to share this with more people. And the reason I got into this work, because, you know, finding psychedelics is like, aha, big aha. But there's a long process of learning how to be with this medicine, how to use this medicine, like with integrity and, and in the way that benefits me rather than as another escape uh, route. And then to witness a lot of people, you know, going to psychedelics because now it's a train. And then see them coming back and life get wobbly, life like getting really challenging and they don't know why. And I experienced that myself. Like psychedelics brought me a lot of tremendous healing and re revelation, but also there are moments of I don't know how to integrate and that I get me into a really painful state of life. And then that is what lead me to learn more about using this medicine, trying to provide a standard or understanding of like, how do I use this medicine to benefit people, to provide extreme safety so that people can get what they want and need without taking the risk. And that's what lead me to this work. You know, and I think it's like any other, you know, we're definitely calling it medicine for a reason. And I've experienced it with you guys. And I'll preface that to say that, you know, you're operating out of Denver, Colorado, where, where it's decriminalized, I think, isn't that accurate? Is that the accurate term? And so it is, you guys can operate, you know, a public, you know, you have a website and you're signing up, you know, people, I was there with, I don't know, 10, 15 other business, like you said, leaders of business, CEOs, entrepreneurs, professional, medical professionals. I mean, there was, it was not a bunch of hippies sitting around smoking weed or, you know, taking a hit off a bong. It wasn't that, I mean, this was a very professional setting, I guess is what I'm saying. But you can misuse anything. You can misuse any medicine. I mean, you know, antihistamines, they turn into, I can't even remember what they turn it into that, you know, drug addicts use, right? So you can misuse it. And I think psychedelics probably got a bad rap because, you know, the original research found therapeutic benefits, but then people started just using it recreationally or whatever. And so it wasn't in a professional setting. It wasn't in a intentional setting. And so it looked like just another drug, I'm sure, to people who had never done it before. So I think you both have kind of touched on that. You know, there's recreational use of these types of things. Now, not ayahuasca as much, because I think you, there's, there's reasons that you get physically a little bit more ill on ayahuasca. It's not a fun, but I will say I've done the, the, the psilocybin twice, once with you and once before. And I will say that I'm pretty sure I will never be a drug addict because it is not a physically fun experience for none of those were physically fun experiences for me. They were very uncomfortable. I was like, this is the opposite of anything that I could consider recreational <laughs> for me personally. And it could have been the setting of they were, you know, the times I've done that was under a therapeutic setting with intention, with a purpose. Right. There was a lot of thought and care and put into those experiences. It wasn't just, oh, let's take something to see if we can get into an altered state. And I'll let you kind of address that however you choose. Yeah, we call it the work with a capital W for a reason. Right. It's, it's because it, you know, you're meeting yourself in a level of depth and capacity that you've never met yourself in. And so drudging up like grief and guilt and shame and anger and fear that maybe has been locked away for so long. And in the experience of that, being able to experience joy and peace and love, harmony in a capacity that we've never experienced either, right? Yeah, because when we suppress our feelings, we're not only suppress the bad ones, we suppress the good ones altogether. Yeah. Something that I also uh, feel is really important is to demystify where the bad rap that psychedelics comes from, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 
In the 50s and 60s, psychedelics use for therapy was the most studied psychiatric drug in the history of psychiatry. Mm. It was considered absolutely revolutionary, more than 100,000 participants over 1,000 studies. John Hopkins University, Harvard. Wow. Um, I had no all, idea. All over, okay? But what happened was it started being associated with the anti-Vietnam conflict, right? Mm. And then Nixon, in his um, desire to for the rebid of the presidential election, wanted to disenfranchise um, minority voters. And so what happened was mushrooms, LSD, um, and cannabis got lumped in and put into Schedule 1. Mm -hmm. What's really crazy is if you look at Wikipedia and you just search for psilocybin safety, you'll see that it's considered one of the safest medicines on the planet. I mean, it's mm. organic. It, it can grow in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And there's almost no contraindications for it, right? And there's no recorded deaths from these medicines. But interestingly, it got put on schedule one, whereas heroin and cocaine got put on uh, a lower schedule. And so literally for decades, up until 2013, researchers, scientists couldn't even study the things on schedule one until mm -hmm. John Hopkins got an exemption from the DEA to start studying it and then released and published the a landmark paper in 2013. Ketamine was mm -hmm. federally legalized as a the first psychedelic in 2019. MDMA is set to be federally legalized next year, another considered psychedelic. And then in 2025, psilocybin is considered to be federally legalized. Wow. And if you look at the, the studies being published now, from these major universities, it is edifying, of course, with better modern science, mm -hmm. the same kind of results that were coming out in the 50s and 60s. And that's mm -hmm. to say that the effectiveness of these medicines in treating PTSD, depression, are orders of magnitude more effective than any other med medicine known to men. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to address, you know, there are people took the medicine without a safe setting and without like mm -hmm. a good intention and then getting into any weird loop. That's very common. I think that's, you can touch up on that too. Like how important to have inner safety and outer safety in order to journey with medicine most effectively. Yeah. I mean, what Chuchu is speaking to is this is fundamentally different than popping a pill, right? Right. Because yeah. the, the Western kind of practice is like, I want a pill for everything. I want a pill for fat loss. I want a pill for... Mm -hmm. Right. depression, et cetera, et cetera, right? Psilocybin and uh, ayahuasca uh, sacraments are most effective when paired with a context that can be viewed as therapeutic in nature or shamanistic or spiritual in nature, right? Mm -hmm. And when it's paired with this sort of intentional work, the possibilities are endless. 96% mm -hmm. of the people that come through ceremonia say it's the most transformative experience of their lives. Mm. And the actual definition of that in sort of the, the medical context is akin to the birth of a first child or a death of a parent. Wow. Like that's how transformative mm -hmm. people say this experience is. Yeah. Matt, <laughs> you, you can say <laughs> <laughs> Before I do, I, I have, yes, I have comment and color on this whole thing just from obviously my personal experience. You know, I guess you can describe kind of the, what are you actually taking over what period of time in your specific case, you know, you do like a five day, six day um, retreat. What exactly are you taking? How are you taking over what period of time? So we can, again, kind of make it more real that this isn't, you know, again, you said we're not swallowing a pill, right? So what's happening over those five or six days? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll share our protocol. Yeah, uh, there we go. Because I can't speak for everybody, right? First, I'll just set like, there's a difference between a medical model and a ceremony model. Mm-hmm. And we are at the intersection of both. The medical model is typically one-on-one with a trained therapist. Most of them are underground right now. And it's about a four-hour session of somebody ingesting mushrooms, which can be raw mushrooms or in a tea or they're in a chocolate or different forms of taking it. Okay. Lying down with an experience typically with blindfolds and music, right? Okay. The ceremony is typically with a group and a group that is, again, each person on their own mat. And in a solo experience, again, with eye masks, and then in a ceremony, they're typically space holders like us that are playing music, live music, combined with some recorded music, et cetera. Ritual brings more the elements, more connection with the spirit that tends to be more of a theme for the yeah. ceremony. So our protocol is um, an eight-week program, right? Two weeks of online prep work, which includes Zoom calls, readings, online coursework that help you prepare for meeting yourself, right? And so the goal of these these preparatory calls is to give you the tools and the space to be with what is, which is sort of a Buddhist concept, to be with whatever experience you're having to experience that fully, right? Mm -hmm. Because as a kid, like our parents used to say, don't be angry, don't cry. And then we learn to stuff down our emotions. Now in reparenting ourselves, repatterning ourselves, we get to like actually allow that forth and create space for it. Then we have a five-day retreat where in the daytime we're doing workshops that again are going from mindfulness, which enhances awareness into practical psycho-spiritual tools, you know, from the most advanced techniques in psychotherapy, as well as ancient wisdom from spirituality. And then we do a group ceremony where people will take a tea of the sacrament of of psilocybin mushrooms. That they made themselves and they're creating a relationship with the medicine. And then they're in this room that we're standing in right now with about a four to six hour experience under the medicine while we are playing music, while we are supporting people, et cetera. And in that space, there's no talking to each other. There's no touching. It's a very solo, inwards, deep experience. And then that's repeated over three ceremonies over the five-day period, followed by integration work. Integration is when we take our new way of being and our, this felt sense of like, oh my God, I'm, I feel so differently, and then create practical tools that people can bring home to be with life's challenges. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and I would add that we know that psychology are actually started with Roman churches, that mm-hmm. they want to study the connection with the spirit and stuff. So there's a reason that we find the sweet spot of combining the psychology and spirituality. And we believe the true healing power comes from ourself with the capital S, that we believe, our church believes that the medicine is not healing you. The facilitator is not healing you. We're just creating the environment for your inner healing intelligence to heal yourself. All the empowerment is coming from inside yourself. And the power of combining this together comes from my experience and, and many of us experience that when we go to the jungle and do a ceremony with the indigenous people, we forgot often that is that's their lifestyle, that we have a completely different set of value and different lifestyles that we need a preparation to create a relationship with the medicine, 
to have understanding with our mind, you know, because our mind is the biggest protector. And then we need to find the ways to use the takeaways, the breakthrough that we get. And how do we bridge that into our life? You know, because we change though our world around us didn't change. How can we make that endurable for us? And, you know, the psychology part is for us, prepare us as modern people to have understanding and to have a sets of tools and value to support us to make sense of our experience and provide more inner safety so that we can connect more of the inner intelligence. And also the value of the spiritual side is like, you know, there's, you know, the big power of what we provide is the connection with nature because that's where we're coming from. All this healing power and intelligence and a deep reverence and gratitude is part of the healing. The more we connect off, you know, like our life is a gift that every minute of this human experience is a gift, then we can understand our sorrow, our pain. They are part of this human experience. Those are inevitable, but suffering is optional. Like we can choose our relationship when we see that with our awareness so clear, we can now choose our relationship through the deep connection we find. And I think that is why what makes ceremony experience extremely powerful and, and exceptional because of the combination of the two, because of bridging the modern psychology, the science with the indigenous wisdom, because those wisdom keepers, that, that there's so much depth and value in that as well. Yes, totally. And I do want to just mention here, because you've used the word church a couple of times. I think of a church as a, you know, a building with people that come on Sunday morning to a pastor and small groups, right? Just so there's no confusion. But what's the difference between what, you know, what you're doing there and a, what I would consider a church that makes sense? Yeah, it's a great question. Our mission statement for Ceremonia is to accelerate spiritual connection in community for the psychedelic mm -hmm. curious. Right. If you Think about that. You know, when I think of a church, I, I went to church, a Christian church as a kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is often a community center. Not only do they have Sunday service, but they also have right. basketball for kids and reading circles and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. And that's something that I feel is often lost in the individualism of, of American culture. There's a huge community element to how we approach this healing work. But ultimately, one of the things that we like to share in, in our program is that when we use a word like God or mm -hmm. Christ or Buddha, mm -hmm. or whatever, we are communicating different ideas, right? The right. visual image might be different yeah. for, for each person, depending on how they were raised, what religion they believe in, so on and so forth. But when you feel God or Christ or Buddha or whatever mm -hmm. the word is for you, that feeling is very similar, right? It's mm -hmm. a feeling of that as we move deeper and deeper into it, feels ineffable, expansive, infinite, powerful, beyond ourselves, right? Something transcendental. And the energy behind the feeling itself is what we are aiming towards, right? This energy of, of the word that we call God. Mm -hmm. And so these psychedelic experiences promote that level of spiritual connection. And whatever word we want to use, that's not what we're focused on. What we're focused on is helping the people here feel that feeling of that inner connection to divinity, whatever, right. and again, divinity is a word, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, our belief is that the end point of psychology is the beginning of spirituality. Mm. Psychology, as Chuchu was sharing, is 
is a great tool because it gives us modern language and modern frameworks to help us navigate, create a map of like, ah, if I'm feeling this mm -hmm. and I try these tools, I can maybe get myself to feel greater peace right. and acceptance and love, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But where that can ultimately take us is the spiritual feeling mm -hmm. of something so much more than ourselves, this place right. of oneness and infinite unconditional love and purity. And so as a church, we're not a church as one might think classically, like come here, right. read passages from the right. Bible, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're a church here in community to help you feel yourself in such a capacity that you feel so connected with you and with everyone and everything around you. And mm -hmm. that is what we call the inner divinity and the outer divinity. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Many churches, they're, you know, they're in service, they're in service of God, in service of mm -hmm. their people. We are a church that in service of truth, mm -hmm. that religions are many, but truth is the only one. And the truth we talk about is what Austin shared, that sense of connection. And we support people, you know, many participants come in the United I'm Jewish, I'm Christian, you guys are a church, what, how does that go? We, in service of truth, we don't, like, buy us with any religion, and you can have all the spiritual relationships that you, you want, but we are here to promote that feeling and the connection, and you get to put whatever framework that in service of you, yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I'd love to add is, we, we often get people who have some level of, of trauma from... Mm -hmm their religious upbringing from various different religions, various different churches. Mm -hmm. And so for those people, there's almost a meta level of healing that they get because when they experience us as a church, like our retreat concludes on a Sunday. <laughs> so, right, right. So we say like, well, welcome to church after right. <laughs> formational experience. Right. And what can happen in a lot of people that grow up with dogma or grow up with pressure from churches or grow up with the feeling of guilt or shame from, from the notion of sin, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here is they get to repattern that. They realize that they've pushed down spirituality because they've been afraid of it. It's been so mm -hmm. correlated with the religion. And then coming through this program, a newfound sense of what it is to experience spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. And for others who have really strong religious affinity or really strong spiritual connection, it can enhance that significantly. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something that, that you might want to speak to. <laughs> <laughs> call me out on that one. Were you call me out on that one? Huh? <laughs> yeah. So I was there. I did the five day. Uh, I did that with some professionals that had researched, uh, you know, one's very much in the psychology field. Uh, one really caters to high end uh, business people. And so, and then we were joined by a group of professional people. Again, there was nobody in that group that was not on their A game uh, professionally. Right. I mean, we all came to this work you know, because we need the work, right? Not, if you're living a, uh, a great life and you're feeling fulfilled and feeling connected to God, you probably don't need this work. <laughs> but if you're having questions or doubts, this stuff can be a good step towards making a deeper relationship to your point with whatever that is, right? It's different for different people. You know, over the course of, I don't know, 20 years-ish or 15 to 20 years, I've been all over the world and I've studied you know, different type of spiritual practices. I won't say religions, but spiritual practices. I've studied with Hindu monks. I've studied with Buddhists. I've spent some time with Jewish people. I mean, not intentionally, just there was stuff there that I wanted to learn and they were there when I was there, right? And it was part of the, the community of people learning. And, and so that was, you know, when I came into ceremony, it was very much one, I was super curious about psilocybin. I had done, you know, just kind of a 
one-time experience with the shaman before, but it was just for a, a day. It wasn't a, a week-long thing. And I was very curious about what this experience would be. And so I came and, you know, you guys put us through the experience. And I would say that, so a lot of the experiential workshop, I'd done pieces or stuff like that before, but I found that to be very beneficial outside of the actual medicine experience itself. I mean, there was some, I got to some deep stuff and some breakthroughs where I was just like, you guys do a reparenting deal, you know, where you're, you're basically, you have another individual kind of hold space or take on the role of one of your parents. And I cried like a little kid. And I was like, and I thought that honestly, when we went into the exercise, I was like, this is kind of, I've been here, done this, right? I've been to India. I've done the real deal parent process, right? <laughs> That's what I was thinking in my head, you know, where we spent days and there was a ceremony. I mean, it was a whole ceremony just around parents or children. I mean, it was, and within, you know, 30 minutes I'm crying. I'm like, what on earth is happening here? Because I was, you know, just healing some of those uh, wounds or wants or needs. And then, so I found that to be very beneficial part of your process. And then the psilocybin experience itself, you said there's three over five days. You know, the first one was a, was an amazing uh, experience for me. To your point, you know, how transformational. Definitely it was, you know, top two or three as far as heightened experiences or peak moments. You know, you kind of go through, if you're on a spiritual journey or on a, a journey to self-discovery, typically you have peak experiences along the way. And so that was definitely one of those peak experiences where, you know, I saw Basically, I was taken back to the beginning of time and saw creation unfold on the face of the earth as God was speaking into it, right? I was watching God create the earth and the heavens and the plants and the animals and the water and the, and, and it was just like a movie, but I was a part of the movie and witnessing it. And as I was breathing, creation was breathing. And so it was very beautiful. Hmm. I think I shared that with you, some of that when I was there. And so, and for me, um, Christ has become you know, a real focal point of my life. And I really have in the last week or two really taken on this kind of Christ as my guru because it has a different connotation than Christ the rabbi or Christ the teacher. It's like, no, no, no. Christ is my guru, meaning I'm in training. He's the teacher, right? And I'm learning from him, right? As a personal connection. And so as I was going through that experience that first night, it was very much any time that I had doubt or worry or anxiety, because physically it was uncomfortable for me, it, it wasn't bad. It was just uncomfortable. I would just ask, where are you, Christ? And then the whole experience, you know, would be white. Everything would turn white. You know, everything in, the, in my visual mind would just turn white. And then there would be a calmness come over me. And then there would be another, basically, experience of showing me more. And so for me, yes, it was a very, that the first day was very euphoric, I guess, in a way. It was very uh, blissful. I could see, okay, this is why people do this, right? <laughs> and then as you and I well both know, the second dose was not as pleasant for me. <laughs> uh, and it was the opposite of a bliss. It wasn't, uh, you know, I was, I could have gotten up and walked out of the room at any time. For me, it was very, pushed a lot of my buttons. And that was part of the process. Um, and I'm not even going to explain it all because I don't want to, <laughs> as pe if people decide to go through your workshop, I don't want to give away the, the punchline there. But it was a very challenging process for me mentally. And I will say it was all mental. There wasn't a lot of spiritual part to it. It was in my mind. I, at one point, I remember laying there on the mat thinking, okay, guys, just turn on the lights and tell us that the, you gave us the wrong dose and let's just go on to day three. 
<laughs> I was just like, come on, just say you guys screwed up. <laughs> you dosed us wrong and let's just move on. <laughs> no harm, no foul. Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> and so that was my, and that was not the case. And some people had marvelous experiences, like I'd had the previous dose and some had experiences much like mine. And we saw that in the group dynamic. And then the third uh, dose, and those were all different mushrooms, right? You gave us different mushrooms with different intentions, mm-hmm. different medicines for different. And then the third dose was very, it was almost a hybrid of those first two. Yeah, it, the third ceremony was almost a hybrid of how I felt kind of like, like in the first one, there was a sense once I took the medicine of kind of feeling nauseous and feeling queasy and un- uneasy. And then it kind of settled in and then it just became this beautiful symphony of music and visuals. And the second night, it was like it felt like it wore off super fast. And so then there was this whole experience of that and uncomfortableness. And then the third experience, I kind of started to go down into that euphoric space. I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be this loving, you know, beautiful. And it didn't, but it started to come out quickly. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, this isn't working. And then it did start work. I mean, it was working and it really was more of a practical application of how am I showing up in the world when I'm off center? Where is my center? How can I be refocused? And that for me was really that Christ is my guru. Jesus is my guru, where it was just a one-on-one experience of Jesus showing me practical tools and practical ways to uh, live my life and go deeper in my spiritual practice. And so that's what it became. You guys were there and, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I literally sat on the floor in a meditative position for, I don't know, two or three hours and didn't move, right? Like a statue, <laughs> right? You know, the first night was euphoric and kind of this awe-inspiring movie. The second dose was like probably more how I'm addressing life currently. It was addressing life currently. And then the third was like, okay, well, when life hits you, here's things that you can do to follow me and follow Jesus, follow Christ so that you can learn versus uh, just numbing myself or backing out or, or spiritual escape or whatever you want to call it. Being with you here it was such a magical experience just to participate and witness you in, in that evolution. Yes. I still use a lot of the practices that I learned there that, you know, that week, this was almost a year ago, almost, that's crazy to think it was almost a year ago. Yeah, we talk so often still, we still talk weekly, so it doesn't feel like that long. It feels like Right. Yes. And there's daily practices I still do and things that bring me back to that experience. So for me, it was an important part of my uh, spiritual, you could call it spiritual practice, but an important part of my spiritual practice to feel more connected to God and also more inspired and more driven to follow, which I don't, wasn't as clear of before. I know we've had the opportunity to connect um, a few times mm-hmm. since that big experience last December. And just witnessing your persistent growth has also been so, so special. I'm just grateful for your, your trust uh, in us and in yourself to help catalyze that level of like spiritual acceleration. It's so cool because I think there are very few practices in life that can really accelerate transformation, anything close to this, right? And the process of doing it is as important as the things that come up, right? Because you describe your, your second ceremony as being really hard. You're with that challenge. And I just imagine that moving through something so hard is probably the most empowering thing that one could experience mm-hmm. to arrive at this deep level of spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. If all this was easy, then it wouldn't... Um, be as impactful. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
especially in human nature, there's this need to feel like that I have achieved something because I put in effort or I've gained something. Maybe it's a better way to say that because I put in effort. So I'm exchanging my effort and my will and all this for an outcome. And definitely in, in this process, that was the, the relationship. It felt very at the end, like, wow, I spent, it was time well spent. And even though it was hard, it was definitely worth it. So yeah, it was a good experience. And I will say as part of that, we did do our research. We did homework. We talked to you before, right? There was an interview process on both sides. And I would say, you know, for anybody thinking about psilocybin or any other type of medicine like this, a plant-based medicine to help them with any type of trauma, certainly do your research. This isn't something that I would ever recommend. I've heard friends talk about, oh yeah, I did mushrooms once and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we got to see stuff. And I'm like, hmm. You know, when they say see stuff just visually, they had their eyes open, they're walking around in public or they're at a concert or something like that. And that is not this. And I would just say, if you're going into it because you know that you need growth or you want to heal or, you know, there's a part of your life that you want to kind of unpack, then definitely get with somebody who knows what the heck they're doing and get somebody who facilitates this thing on a regular basis and has, you know, pre-work and post-work and follow-up because it's an, to your point, it's an integrated thing. It's anybody could just take that medicine and then it's like it opens a door, but the door will reclose if there's not any type of work after, if there's no integration to it, right? It just, maybe there's a little bit more light in your world, but it's, it's not going to be transformative. If you want transformation, you've got to do the work. And so it's not a quick fix. It's so interesting because you can literally grow these mushrooms in your backyard. Right. So it's <laughs> right. Not something that is inaccessible. Right. But, you know, if you're going to go to something that is going to be deeply impactful for your life, let's say you were going to go into surgery, would you go do that with a friend in your backyard? <laughs> do yourself on yourself? Probably not. Right. 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 So right. if this is set to be life altering, transformative, deeply healing, it's important to, to do your research and to find somebody that you feel intuitively safe and resonant with. And taking psychedelics is not to, about to go into watch a light show. It, yes, we can have fun for the light show, but the, the immense power lays in when we bring that with our intention and having that um, connection as our North Star. <laughs> and I want to share earlier um, something about, like, you know, we have to go through some hardship you know, go through darkness to say light. The the hard part of the journey, it will show up at some point. And it's a like a necessary training for us to find more power through ourselves. But healing doesn't necessarily always have to be hard. Like the hard comes from when we resist, when we are uncertain, when we don't know. But when we experience the hardship and, and finding a relationship of accepting, of loving what is, then everything doesn't have to be hard anymore, no matter in ceremony or in life. Mm -hmm. To your point about doing the research, it's very synchronistic that we're doing this call now because next week we're launching our first online course to help people. It's a four-week program. We're offering it for free for a limited time. Um, mm -hmm. And it'll be $400 afterwards, 444 mm -hmm. afterwards. And it will help people learn about these advanced techniques of self-healing, mindfulness, to psychotherapy, to spirituality, and then help demystify how to find and choose a good psychedelic practice, if that's oh, something nice. that they're looking for. Yeah, so. and we also provided a new uh, service, which is like one ceremony coming through one weekend, mm -hmm. and days instead of five days, three ceremony for people who are curious, who are wanting to explore the relationship without a big commitment. 
that we are offering this for people as well to to try it. Normally, you know, you go to a one-on-one session, probably costs you $1,500 just for that one session with some calls. And here we are offering two days of workshops, all the food and lodging included with a long ceremony, only $1,800. Very cool. Well, yeah, so uh, people will find out more but if they want to go to ceremoniacircle.org um, or feel free to Google that, but the, you'll have all the information up there and update things as as things change and then you've got the dates and all that fun stuff. So thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate your guys' time. It's beautiful seeing you both. You look great. look yeah. so happy and healthy and very stylish. You're always more, much more stylish. I am in a t-shirt. You got on cool clothes, so I appreciate your style. <laughs> we'll reconnect soon and if people have questions, they can feel free to email you or message you uh right from the site so thank you guys for, for today's time yeah. thank you so much to be with you soon and keep yes. going cold plunges <laughs> <laughs> cold plunges every day <laughs> thank you guys thank you for being a part of the bright vibe podcast for more information go to brightvibe.com that's b-r-i-t-e vibe dot com. thank you for listening Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.